Listener Production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Cecilia, we are back. Oh, yes, we are. We are back. How and are you feeling? <laughs> um, next. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to answer that today. I am here with you in this studio. Yes, you are. And, um, oh, you know, look, sometimes, some days. <laughs> triggered are, is how you're feeling. <laughs> I, feel, I don't feel triggered. Uh, I feel, um, I don't actually know how I feel. Okay, I well, feelings. That's good. I'm numb. Do you know, I actually think that part of the problem with this at the moment is that I feel that 2020 and 2021 are actually running running concurrently, as in all the commitments that we had in 2020 that got postponed are happening now, along with all the other things that would have happened anyway in 2021. I feel like I haven't sat down for about five months. Oh, I don't, I don't actually feel oh, like that. I actually feel like oh, I've do. got more of a system going on that better than ever. So yeah. I don't feel like that, that mm. so much, but I just, um, I, I don't, I just, I like consistency, I think. And, you know, when things are kind of very... Um, Out of your control. Yeah, but just, mm. just unknown, I guess. Um, never really had to think about it before until, until recent times. Anyway... What we can all start to do, and I think our guest is um, going to help us with this, is <laughs> probably just practice being happier, kinder yeah. human beings. Absolutely. We know you're going to love this next episode of The Wellness Collective. We're speaking to the author of the book, The Kindness Revolution, Hugh McKay, and he shares with us how Humans have responded to crisis and how crisis actually instigates this magic and these magic moments to create more kindness. We talk to him more about our instinctive understanding of what other people need and how we can turn the crisis or any crisis into a revolution. We also talk about why humans may be more emotional due to social needs. We talk about anxiety, depression, loneliness, and of course, loads more. I know, Cecilia knows, we all know you're going to love this next episode. Hugh McKay, thank you for joining us on The Wellness Collective. It's a very great pleasure. Thank you for your interest in my work. So Hugh, you've written this new book called The Kindness Revolution, assuming it's probably as a result of the last two or so years, one and a half years. Um, but how did you arrive at the point of going, right, we need some tools? Like where was that turning point for you? Mm. Well, it was early last year, in fact, um, even before the pandemic, after the bushfires, I mean, the worst bushfires we've had in living memory. Uh, and I thought, isn't that fantastic? The way people respond whenever there's a crisis uh, this happened to be a bushfire. Of course, earlier this year, we've had floods in northern New South Wales, the same thing. Um, people just automatically, I mean, not, not a backward glance, not a second thought. Mm. They know what's required of them when other people are in trouble. They just rush in, help out, be neighbourly, be kind, all that sort of stuff. And I thought this is a major crisis in Australia and it's worth recording how we responded to it. No sooner had I made that decision in consultation with the publisher I was talking to uh, than the pandemic hit. 
And then the, the same thing happened only on a much larger scale. Here, here was a mass demonstration of our capacity to be kind, respectful, compassionate, uh, when there's a catastrophe or a potential catastrophe or a crisis. Now, you could be cynical and say, well, we stayed at home, we wore masks, we kept our distance, uh, we did all that stuff because we were being told to. And of course, we did need regulations to get us going. We often need regulations to guide us in the right direction. But of course, our response to COVID went way beyond the regulations. I'm sure you've heard, I've heard hundreds of stories, and I'm sure there are many, many thousands of stories from neighbourhoods all over Australia about how people responded uh, to uh, the crisis. It wasn't just obeying the rules. It was suddenly saying, gee, uh, that old guy at the end of the street, I haven't seen him around. I wonder if, you, wonder if I could help him with his shopping or in some cases just getting to the, know the neighbours mm. <laughs> to see if they could help out. Early in the pandemic, I was in a webinar. Incidentally, webinar, I think, is a word that should have been strangled at birth. So this webinar, as usual in a webinar, we were siphoned off into little chat rooms to discuss. We were talking about the effects of the pandemic. And I found myself in a chat room with two young men, I'd say early 30s by the look of them, one in Sydney, one in Melbourne. They didn't know each other. But coincidentally, they had each moved into new accommodation just before the lockdown. So here they were in a brand new home, uh, knew no one and uh, locked out. So what did they do? Now, I found this really significant. They, they both did exactly the same thing. They wrote little notes saying, I'm new to the street, I don't know anyone here, um, but here's my phone number. And if you need any help with shopping or picking up prescriptions or having your lawn mowed or anything, just give us a call. Uh, now, the question that obviously came to my mind was, would they have done that yeah. if there had been a crisis? And I think the answer probably is no. They probably would have just moved in, got on with their lives, noticed that the neighbours all look pretty strange because a new bunch of neighbours always look strange. The neighbours might have noticed them, might have someone might have said, welcome to the street, probably not. Uh, in Sydney and Melbourne, these sort of niceties are in shorter supply than they used to be. Mm. But because there was a crisis, they behaved in an absolutely exemplary, neighbourly way. Kindness came to the fore. So um, thinking about all this, I thought, this is one of those magic moments in our history. They come along occasionally. The Great Depression of the early 30s was another such moment. World Wars, of course, are another such moment. But here was a moment where there's a crisis. We, we know we have to act differently. We have an instinctive understanding. We can talk, of, we can talk about how instinctive it is mm -hmm. in a moment. Instinctive understanding of how to behave well, how to act kindly towards people, not just people in need, but people around us. There was a lot more of 
waving and smiling yes. and saying hello and balcony choirs in apartment blocks and all this sort of stuff. Why wouldn't it be a tragedy? In fact, wouldn't it be deeply pathetic if once the crisis diminished, and of course we don't, it's not over yet, um, we don't know what's going to happen in the next 12 months, but once the crisis diminished, we just forgot all that. Mm. It seems to me that the, the real, there's a real possibility here that we could turn the crisis into a revolution. We well, could say, we've learned these lessons from a very difficult situation we've been through. Why don't we internalise those lessons and generalise? Why don't we just keep on acting like this? Because this is actually the kind of society we all dream of. You know? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Do you think part of it was that we had more time to stop and look around at what was required and that, as you say, there was things that all of us would like to do more frequently but, you know, the, the pressures of work or family or, you know, extracurricular activities. I think I know a lot of people that are sort of groaning now that all the school sports are back and all the commitments during the week are back, whereas we look back fondly on this time where we were restricted but it gave us a chance to actually flourish. Do you agree with that? Mm. Yes, thanks, Cecilia. I think that's a, that's absolutely true. Um, but but this is what the challenge is. Um, if you look at Australia, I mean, let's let's step back for a moment, and take the long view. Mm. If you look at Australia over the last twenty five or thirty years, we've been through a very strange. We and by the way, lots of other Western societies like ours, we've been through a very strange. Um, period of social change. The, the social trends of the last quarter century or so have all been uh, driving us uh, in a direction which takes us away from our sense of needing each other, belonging to communities, uh, showing kindness, etc. If you look at things like our shrinking households, we're, we're, we're now a society where Every fourth household, and it's accelerating. It'll soon be every third. Every third, every third or fourth household contains just one person. Huge potential for loneliness and social isolation there, but also a strong pressure on those people to think of themselves as individuals. Of course, a high rate of relationship breakdown, increased busyness—the sort of thing Cecilia just described. Everyone rushing everywhere all the time. I mean, we've even it's even changed the way we greet each other in Australia now. We say, "How are you going? Busy?" <laughs> yes, like a badge of honour. Yes, yeah, badge of honour. The switch is either on. You're either busy or you're dead. The switch is on or off. Uh, well, busyness is the great enemy of social cohesion. The great enemy of neighbourliness. Sorry, you know the neighbours have invited us in. Too busy. Um, so information technology, that revolution which promised to connect us like never before and has, has also made it easier than ever before to stay apart. Mm. So we are now experiencing this phenomenon, particularly among younger people and particularly among the heaviest users of social media, this phenomenon called connected but lonely, where people are experiencing a high rate of transferring data, shifting messages back and forth, but not but being starved of face-to-face, -face yeah. eye contact-based personal interaction 
and experiencing loneliness, and in some cases, anger as a result of not getting enough, uh, enough social interaction. So put all that together, the cumulative effect of all of those changes has been to make us a more socially fragmented society and along come a couple of catastrophes. The fires quickly followed by the pandemic, short-circuiting that process, taking us back to being more communitarian in our thinking, mm -hmm. more neighbourly in our thinking. So what you've just described, Cecilia, is the trap. Are we just going to, as one of our politicians famously said, are we going to just snap back? Are we going to go back to being too busy, ignoring our neighbours, working too hard, travelling more than we need to, buying too much stuff, uh, letting life get complicated again? Or are we going to say, we were, this was a magic moment, we were given this golden opportunity. As you said, we had more time to reflect on all this. Although I did see a New Yorker cartoon of a couple of women discussing the effects of the pandemic and one was saying to the other, you know, I'm really looking forward to the time when I can forget all that stuff I learned about myself during the lockdown. <laughs> so I hope we won't forget all the stuff we learned during the lockdown and that we will, in fact, hang on to this and say we can't turn back the clock. Those social trends that I described and others that are pushing us in the direction of fragmentation, we can't stop that. That's like trying to stop the tide. But we can be alert to it and we can minimise the impact of those changes on our lives if we just hang on to the pandemic lessons. Mm. The way people who lived through the Great Depression of the early 30s hung on to the lessons they learned, you know, they, they became famous in their families, their kids and their grandkids often just laughed at them for never throwing out a piece of string and yep. never throwing out a rubber band, yeah. and, you know, always baking a cake if a new neighbour uh, moved into the street and so on. It, they said they learned values, they, they got their priorities clear by that hardship and the lessons they learned never left them. And we know that, you know, the folklore says we grow through pain. We need tough times. We need a bit of turbulence, a bit of disruption. We need things to go wrong in order to shake us out of our complacency and think, well, hang on, what kind of neighbour do I want to be? What yeah. kind, of, kind of parent? What, what kind of friend? We were talking about this a few weeks ago because Nat has a lot of people that follow her on social media and there was a, a bit of a moment where there was a lot of, just anger, wasn't there? Oh, yes. And we were trying to work out why all of a sudden it felt like there was this, um, you know, ability, I guess because people can just vent their frustrations and, and their opinions quite easily these days, but it felt like there was a moment where... I think, to add to that, I think that there's more of a divide and the divide is the part that I don't know what we do with because there doesn't seem to be much grey area when we don't agree on things. So some people have different approaches, especially when it comes to the pandemic and how the the different ideas around it are very conflicting. And I still don't understand, regardless of what your what I was trying to say when we we're talking about this, mm. is regardless of where you stand or what your opinion is, can you not just still be kind? It's like we've forgotten <laughs> how to do that. Yes. Um, now that we're out of, we're out of, we've kind of come out of, and I think a lot of people have PTSD from last year. I really think a lot of people are struggling that, sure. that we, we, we sort of regain some normality 
even though it's not what we knew before, but it's better than what we had. Mm. And then, then there's just, there's, there's a, seems to be a, emotions are still really high. Mm. And so what do we do with that? How do we cope with that when, you know, to me, it's just exactly this. How do we be kinder? Because I, I don't, I think it comes down to some awareness, but there's obviously a lot of emotion behind everything. Mm. Mm. No, absolutely true. There, there, there are a couple of responses uh, to that, Matt. Um, first of all, it, it is the case that people, I mean, social media or any kind of technology-driven encounter is non-human. I mean, if we're, we're doing this and it feels pretty good. I can see you both and we can hear each other and so on. And it feels as though we're making eye contact, but of course we're not. Uh, it's all mediated through the technology. And, the, and when people are in a non-human setting, such as social media, or even driving in a car with the windows, yes. feel insulated mm. in a non-human setting, uh, the normal conventions of human behaviour, the normal tendency to be kind, cooperative, respectful and so on, can very easily be ditched. You know, you can shout at your fellow road user from the safety of your own car and say things you would never say to them face to face. And similarly in cyberspace, you know, cyberspace has become a bit of a coward's castle where people uh, with the benefit of anonymity and not actually really being in touch, the, the all important subtleties, nuances of face-to-face -face contact, eye contact, facial expression, posture, all those things are missing. People can behave badly, but the anger, as Nat says, I mean, we're not all the same on this, but we all have social needs because we belong to a social species. If you're a human being, sorry, you're stuck with <laughs> we all depend on each other. We are hopeless in isolation. We need groups, families, neighbourhoods, communities, etc., to nurture us, sustain us, and give us that all-important sense of belonging, which is fundamental to our mental and emotional health. So that's the kind of species we are. We all have social needs, therefore. But our social needs do vary. Some people have very high social needs, even without knowing it. And a lot of the anger that is now emerging on the internet and specifically in social media is coming from people whose high social needs are not being met because they're relying too heavily on mediated uh, interaction, not getting enough face-to-face -face personal contact. And they wouldn't know necessarily, probably almost certainly wouldn't know why they're angry, but they're feeling angry because they are deprived of the social contact that all humans need and they may have higher social needs. I mean, if, if we are deprived of food, we get hungry and that's a signal that we've got to eat. Uh, if we're deprived of social contact, uh, we, we, we may feel lonely uh, or we may just feel angry. And it's a very curious situation. Um, and, and it does, so, so, so social isolation uh, is the worst possible thing for members of a social species. In fact, in our criminal justice system, solitary confinement is the worst punishment we can think of because it is mm. the worst punishment uh, for members of a social species. And we all got a little taste of social isolation during the pandemic. So that meant there was a heightened risk of all the things that are associated with social isolation, anxiety, depression, loneliness, and there are three big ep epidemics at the moment, even pre-pandemic, and they've been exacerbated. 
but not only anxiety, depression and loneliness, also things like hypertension, inflammation, sleep disturbance, vulnerability to addiction. All of those things uh, have an increased uh, risk uh, if we are experiencing social isolation. So, so the antidote, the vaccine, uh, is to get together, to be, be in a face-to-face -face yeah. setting with other human beings. And so that raises the question about why, why we can't be kind even, even when uh, things are getting back to uh, some sort of normal. I think we do need to remember we are actually hardwired for kindness. Uh, unkindness is an unnatural human response. Neuroscientists who can now peep into our brains and tell us what's going on tell us there is actually a cooperative centre in the brain. Now, if there's a cooperative centre, that, that shouldn't come as a shock to us, could it, should it? Because we are a social species. Of course, we are built to cooperate because we need to cooperate because we need social harmony and, and the ingredients in social harmony are kindness and respect for each other on the basis of we're human, not on the basis that we deserve to be respected yeah. or deserve to be kind. We, we are capable. I think it's, you know, I, I get quite um, thrilled by the human potential for kindness, by our capacity for kindness to total strangers. Isn't that a remarkable thing? And as uh, Samuel Johnson wrote 250 years ago, uh, he wrote a lot of stuff that I don't agree with, but he said, kindness is in our power. And this is precisely the point Matt was making. Kindness is in our power, even when fondness is not. In other words, we can be kind to people we don't like. Isn't that terrific? Yes. You don't have to like someone to be kind. You don't have to agree with them. Could be someone you really dislike, someone you could never agree with about politics or music <laughs> or literature or anything. But we're both humans. We're, we're, we're sharing this space on the planet. And the way we make it work is through kindness. And the way we make it not work is through unkindness. I love that you, you mentioned that quote from Samuel Johnson because that is in your book and I read it about four times where I was like, isn't that true? And I always say to my kids, just be kind. It costs you nothing to be kind. And I think that's the thing that some people forget is that, you know, it, it's such a small thing for you to be kind to someone else. And even if it's opening a door for someone or carrying a bag for someone or, you know, reaching a jar in the supermarket for someone who can't do it, it's it's you know, it's taken half a second of your day, but you've had that thought for someone else's needs and it's meant a lot to that other person. And I think that is something that maybe we tapped into because we, you know, had the restrictions in our life and we're like, okay, well, what can we do to make this good? And who, like you say, around us needs our help, but we can, we can continue that. Um, just quickly, I remember someone saying to me once, came up to me and she said, oh, thank you so much for um, you helped me when I started a job and you were really kind to me and I really have always appreciated that. And I looked at her and I thought, wow, I don't remember being <laughs> kind to her, but I'm really glad that it resonated because for me, I was like, oh, all right. I think I just walked around and said, this is her, treat her nicely and, and walked off. But that was enough. Exactly. I, I think that's actually a beautiful example 
of the core point that we're that we're talking about here being kind is being natural being kind is being a normal human you know it's not something you don't you don't see news items uh, on the radio and television news about kindness you don't you don't see a little item saying hey someone's shopping bag burst <laughs> this afternoon and someone else helped them pick up all their shopping and it was pouring with rain and they got soaked to the skin but yeah, imagine what a if hero. it was imagine if these were the news items it like would be it. a very different world because we're fed we're fed <laughs> everything news. opposite to that mm. well we're at the point now that the news is news you know what makes the news is exceptional stuff and and usually, I mean, if you if you watch the the average television news bulletin, it's full of bad news. Uh, they really should say, "Here is the bad news of the day." <laughs> you get the little sweetener at the end, though. They normally got one happy, <laughs> yeah, like, "Make I'm just giving you all of that, but I'm just going to give you that bit there with the elephants at the zoo that just got born. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I do think we're onto something really important here that we shouldn't regard kindness as heroic. And when, when Cecilia says to her kids, just be kind, doesn't cost you anything, it's such an important thing for parents to be saying daily and reinforcing and, and just saying, you know, as, you, as you're chatting in the evening, well, who were you kind to today? You know, what was the kindest thing you did? Just to keep reinforcing that that's, that's the way, to be fully human, to be a flourishing, fully-fledged human, is to understand that we share a common humanity and that means kindness is the way to live. You mm. know, it's a, it should be our default position, not something remarkable. And, and I say that with extreme confidence because that's exactly the position we go to in a crisis. You know, it's the same when the, when the chips are down, we know to be kind. Mm. So that means we know it. And it's just a tragedy that so many other pressures of our lives promote selfishness, individualism, you know, the ego rises up and uh, ambition gets us by the throat at the expense of kindness, etc. Um, all those things are part of the human story. I'm not, I'm not being Pollyanna. Of course, there's a lot of ugly <laughs> stuff going on all the time. But, but the thing that is characteristic of our species is kindness. I think also, too, the thing to remember about kindness is you don't do it to get a, like a response. Do you know what I mean? Like you actually feel good if you've helped somebody. You don't need to then get a bunch of flowers or, a, you know, for them to return the favour. I always find it really interesting with having kids and play dates and stuff um, because these days it's it's more difficult, I think, for most people because kids don't just romp around in the streets the way they used to in generations past, even our generation. So there's this real thing, I think, with a lot of parents, it's like, well, you had my kids, so I owe you. And I always say, no, nah, don't worry. Like, I'm not keeping a tab. It doesn't yes. matter if I've had your yes. kids. I absolutely agree with you. If, if someone is being kind in the hope of getting a reward that is not virtuous at all, that's kind of like self-aggrandizement, you know, mm. like, look at me. Hey, I just helped this old lady across the road. Are you going to clap? Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's that's not what kindness is about. Um, but the other thing you said, you, you feel good about yourself when you're kind. That's mostly true, but it's not universally true. And, and I don't think we should even teach our kids, or in my case, our grandkids, 
that there's a reward for kindness, even if the reward is just feeling good. Because remember that person I mentioned who dropped the shopping and the, it was raining and someone else down on their hands and knees helping them pick up, getting getting soaked to the skin, late for a meeting, etc. cetera. Uh, they didn't feel good about themselves. They felt cranky, irritated. They wished that hadn't happened. It wasn't, they weren't patting themselves on the back. They were saying, <laughs> but you just do it. And, and if you feel good about it, that's nice. And if someone else acknowledges what you've done, that's nice. But, but that's all quite irrelevant uh, to, to being human. You know, we don't expect gold stars for breathing. Uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. and, we, and, and we ought to be... We ought to be acknowledging that for humans who are being fully human, being fully mindful of what it means to be human, kindness is like breathing. I say, you know, be kind costs you nothing to be kind. Sometimes it's challenging to be kind mm. to people that <laughs> you find difficult or um, don't have the same values as you or you've been through the same thing over and over or whatever it is. It can it can be really difficult. I I there's one thing I just want to say before we go. I have a friend who said to me one day, "It's always good to remember that everyone is weird. It's just whether they're your sort of weird." <laughs> yeah, I think that's a beautiful sum- summary of of the human condition. Because mm. you know, we all are. We all have strange idiosyncrasies. We've all had different upbringings, and you know, I, I mentioned neighbours. You move into a new street, everyone's weird. Gosh, mm. you know. But then, then you get to know them and you find that they're actually humans and some of them you'll like, some of them you'll never like, but kindness to all of them is, is a possibility. And sure, it is challenging, but that's why I think particularly if there are kids in our lives, if we're teachers or parents or grandparents or even neighbours of a family with kids, it's, it's possible to keep reminding kids as they're growing through adolescence to keep reminding them if they move away from kindness as their default position they're moving away from their true humanity oh you know what Hugh thank you so much for joining us today I feel like I feel calm I feel like there's hope that we can all just you know take a moment and be kinder to each Mm, other Yeah, especially in the car. I like that one. <laughs> Hugh, where can people find your book, The Kindness Revolution? Uh, it's it's brand new. It's only been out a couple of weeks and it's, it should be in every single bookshop in Australia. Excellent. Not Excellent. even not even the just the good ones because everyone all says them. all good bookshops. But is that, yeah. no, even all of the, the bookshops, semi-good ones. I think good the ones. bookshops have been through a tough time. All the bookshops that exist are good bookshops. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This has been excellent. Great pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Lovely to meet you. Hopefully we meet you in real life one day. That would be wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, we can all be a bit kinder, can't we? Well, this is what this was your big question and I went and found a man oh, who has no. he's written a book yes. on yes. to find the answers. Yes. There you yes. go. Um, we love to also hear from people about which episodes that they've enjoyed. Yes. So this is something that <laughs> just sprung to my mind where I where I went to look at if we had any more recent reviews and, and well no no but I did find something oh good, good. I found Phew. something from Helen <laughs> Helen messaged us and she said I love listening to you guys not sure where to leave a comment so here will do I hope oh. she's left it as a direct message okay driving for a couple of hours today and smash through a few more episodes gosh you make me smile and lol 
but one with Kerwin Ray was the best. Keep up the good work, girls. There you so go. If you're wondering where the best place to leave a review is, mm-hmm. it's on Apple Podcasts. That's right. We like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just chuck five stars in on the end of that and yep. just make it a, a, what do you call that, a package deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call that. You get five stars and a happy review. Yes. yes. It is true, though, the whole kindness thing. Like I I always find, too, the kindness of strangers is such a, we've talked about this before, it's this, like, incredible force in the universe that when when stuff goes wrong, there's always a stranger there to help you. I don't know. And if you get to be that stranger, mm. that's really mm. fun too. Mm. Absolutely. I don't know totally. how that works, but it's true. No, no, exactly. Yep. All right, so go forth and be the stranger that helps. Yes, go and do something today and then tell us what yeah. you did. Yep. Yeah. What's, what's your kindness? What, We'd love to know. Yep, even if it's like just leaving a bag of lollies in your neighbour's um, letterbox. Yes. I did like that during COVID yeah. lockdowns. People yes. did a bit of that. Yeah. Bit of surprises yeah, bit for of, the neighbours. Yes. Yeah. All right. Until next time, we hope this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier, and better. Listener.